Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good evening! Oh, you're always here. <laughs> <laughs> I never leave. How are you? Tired. Tired, really, yeah. Um, but that's probably not what the people want to hear. <laughs> no. So what I, I'm actually hungry, ready to go, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for some food and some grub. Yeah? So, if there was one dish which was a hug, no, if there's one dish that was a cuddle, this would be it. Bene? Tutto bene. What is this, James? What am I eating? This, I mean, I described before, it's it's a cuddle in a bowl of food, but this is a sausage pasta, mm. similar to a bolognese, but you cook it like a curry. How so? In that, you start by browning an onion, garlic, and then you actually season this with a tiny bit of cumin, oh. fennel, thyme, rosemary, all of these oregano, all of these like wintry warm herbs, about half a glass of red wine, mm-hmm. fry that off, tomato puree, you fry off a really nice seasoned sausage. Mm. Don't You don't want a sort of bang as a mash style. You want a sort of packed with pepper and yeah. onion and garlic sausage. Yeah. Fry that off till you get a light little crust. Add a can of chopped tomatoes. Just let that reduce. And then you coat it with Parmesan just as you're serving it with a bit of that starchy water. And it's just perfect. Fill you up, oh. warm you up. It's a farmer's. It's a farmer's dinner. Is there an official name for this? It's just called a sausage pasta. It's just called the sausage pasta. It's similar to a bolognese, but I think a bolognese takes up to two hours to get mm. it really good. This you can do in half an hour. What, what's the name of the, the pasta itself? This is rigatoni. Rigatoni. Spaghetti right. would get lost in this dish because you've yeah. got big lumps of sausage and tomato. So rigatoni is thick, tubey pasta mm. with ridged edges, and that's going to carry. It's going to be big enough to carry the sauce. So when did you start making this? I, d- I only recently learned this dish. I want to say the end of last I, year. I meant this evening, but um, <laughs> uh, honestly, about 30, 40 minutes ago. This wow, is okay, the working man's, the, the busy man's bolognese. Oh, the busy, <laughs> I like that. The busy man's bolognese. I love a bolognese. You know, you're going to do carrot and celery mm. and brown off some mint, but if you just want a quick, you want mm. the big flavor, that red wine style sausage pasta. Where did you get the meat from? Uh, M&S. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, I really like it. I, I'm, I'm getting that heartiness and getting that flavour. It's warm, and I just, you know, you've made it look bloody lovely. It's just so much cheese. It's so naughty. It's just, it's, it's yeah, but not as much cheese as when you did the cacio e pepe. Well, no, that is like a posh mac and cheese, actually. But, um, <laughs> there really is. Yeah, this is. You just, you just get like fennel seeds in there, cumin, thyme, oregano, and it just starts tasting like a country herb garden. You know what I feel like? I feel like you've seen Goodfellas, right? Cool. Yeah, 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 I feel like that scene. You remember when they, they Joe Pesci has lost it at the bar, and he's yeah. like whacked that guy, and they go go bury. But before they go, you know, dig the hole, they stop off at like his his mum's place, yes. and the mum makes him that full Italian meal. Yeah. Then it's Martin Scorsese's mother who plays the. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, that's lovely. And, yeah, they, they're all dying. Now. They've got the red wine. They've got the bread, and they're all probably like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" And it's you all meanwhile food. in the trunk, you just it just yeah. zooms in on the car <laughs> yeah. outside the kitchen window. This is the food you make for your son who's in the mafia, but you don't want to think about it. Yeah. But all of his friends who are also lovely Italian boys come over <laughs> and you go, look, I'm going to make these good boys a nice hearty sausage pasta. He's had a long, hard day shooting people, g- garroting people with wine. 
and, and you know the mum kind of knows, but she doesn't want to think about it. No. And the secret ingredient is always love. Our boys are good boys. <laughs> yeah, good boy. yeah, boys are Rub good boys. <laughs> James, as we've discussed, it is Oscar season. We've mm. been slowly but surely trying to get ourselves through the films that We're are trying. out. The thing is about Oscar season that I always find quite weary is that the films are actually incredibly, increasingly disposable. Mm. What I mean by that is, I found over the past few years, there are just films that just seem to come out and exist purely to be in the awards circuit. And after the Oscar it's season is- from a mile away. Exactly, and, and then uh, as soon as the Oscar season's over, they drop like a stone. I don't necessarily mean Oscar bait. That's kind of different. That's like, oh, I, I desperately want to be nominated. There are probably films that are, are perfectly fine in their own right, but I mean, they just sort of offer nothing than being kind of grand. And mm. then they have no cultural, they have no cultural relevance other than just being nominated. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't exist. And obviously, look, it's hard for a film to, to know how culture is going to react. We're not saying that every film has to be a classic and has to stay with people, people's memories. But I, I have been, I mean, like, I, last year, I know it was affected by the pandemic, but I, I couldn't think of many films that really stayed with me. I mean, take a film like Minari, right? Didn't never it. saw it, but no. also never, no one ever mentions it's, it again. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just disappeared. And yeah. Oscar history is littered with films that um, have just come up and then they disappeared. Yeah, they come out at the perfect time just, for critics and award shows to go, ooh. Yeah, but do you know what no one... comes to my mind? is There was a film that came out, I think it was the first Oscar season I ever remember being aware of when I was a kid. I was probably mm. about nine. And the big film that year that everyone was talking about and that I have heard absolutely no one mention in about 10 years is Cold Mountain, <laughs> right? With Jude Law yeah. and Rene Zellweger and Nicole Kidman. And, and I mean, that, it has a sense of award scale to oh it. Oh my God. And that year I watched I all I don't even like, see it on TV. No, 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 no one talks about it. It's almost no. like it doesn't exist. It's like it's, it existed in Stalin's Russia. And it you got know, wiped you know out. What, you, know where, you know why you haven't heard of Cold Mountain in a while? It's the death of HMV. Because right. that would have been, you would have seen the DVD and gone, yeah. Cold Mountain. But there is no yeah. shop front to walk through and browse. We have we have yeah. the shop fronts of the streamers, but they're not the same as going yeah. through, or like the Dixons I, in the airport to look at, what, look at all the DVDs for I, a holiday. I bet you if that film came up on, an, on a Netflix streaming service, people would be like, Cold Mountain? What is that? I still, you know, there are other films that don't, you know, Gladiator, yeah. even Master and Commander. But it's like, like A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. <laughs> well, I still think that, I mean, that one, Best Picture. I mean, I, I, did, I, yeah. I'm more aware of Beautiful Mind because that's based yeah. on a real, but, but anyway, anyway, I digress. The oh, reason God, I bring this up. What am I going to be completely look, unaware The thing I bring this up is for that reason, I thought we could have a little game. Yeah. Because Oscar films are so disposable and we're approaching the 2022 Oscars, Let's rewind 10 years. Okay. And, that's, and, and you know, you and I both watch a lot of films. So really 10 years ago is quite recent in our film watching experience. Fine, yeah. We were still you know, on the you know, cusp of adulthood then. And I want to uh, throw, I'm going to throw so, out. Straight up, if this was the other way around, you would have a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of what films were nominated one hey, during the conversation. Yeah. I really like for the life of me can't think of, I could guess, but I really don't know what films were out. But you're, you're so, gonna so here's the game. I'm going to, I'm gonna just run through okay. the all of the films that were nominated for, for best picture for, for best picture that yeah. year, and I just want to get your thoughts, okay. get your reaction, see if you remember them, and I'm gonna build up to the film that actually won best picture that year. Okay, so all this right. is 2022. Yeah, I mean 2012. I, yeah, I do mean 2012. <laughs> sorry. Um, so this is 2012, the year that it meant to all was meant to all end, and these are um, nominating films that were released in 2011. Off, off the bat, do you have any guesses at what films were up for Oscars that year? I'm going to tell you how many nominees there were. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are nine, nine films. films. I am thinking it's 2012. So these are films that came out in 2011. Correct. Or is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, how yeah it that's how it works. Um, I'm thinking this might have been... Is this the year, uh, the, the artist, which I haven't seen? Correct. Is that it? Okay. You, I mean, you kind of turn the game on its head because that was the winning picture. Is that the winning the picture? Year. Not seen the artist. You've not seen it. No. You didn't go see it at the time. You weren't no, interested didn't in seeing it. didn't go see it at the time. I, I think I would, it was, but I just never got around well, to it. Well, Is I, it good? I, 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 best picture. I saw it once, 10 years ago, in the cinema, <laughs> you know? in awards season, okay? Um, uh, it's, oh, do you remember? No one really talks about it now. You know what it is? It's, it, it would actually be better as just a short film. Because right. it's made entirely as a silent movie, right? That was the whole thing about it. It's French film, it's a silent movie, and it recreates the the, the Hollywood the dog. Yeah, yeah, the, the dog's really good in yeah. it. It's a great idea as a silent film. As a full length picture, it's a bit like I get it. It's very quiet. I get what you're doing. This for it's just a formal exercise. Um, it can't really stretch. To isn't give it any funny heart. that we went back to the old way we used to do it? What? Isn't, that, isn't that isn't that like the novelty? Oh, isn't it funny that we went back to the old way of doing films? Well, the self-referentiality. Yeah, of it. and I think that's why Hollywood loved it because Hollywood loves to, if you pun the expression, peer up its own ass yeah. and be like, "Oh, Hollywood, it's just such a oh my, oh. remember what we were like back yeah. then." Um, and this sort of like hagiographic. For me, that could, I thought of that because I remember it for its Oscar buzz, which yeah. is why I think I remembered yeah. it. But that for me, it could have been 2010 to 2012, 13. I wouldn't have been able to place that, it. It was a good guess. I think that is a quintessential film that exists purely for Oscar buzz, to, has no wider re resonance other than really filmy people love yeah. it because it's a film and it's about film and blah, blah, blah. Okay. okay. Should, I give you, should I give you some? Yeah, give me some. The Descendants. Seen The Descendants. I like The Descendants. Mm. George Clooney, uh, Shailene Woodley. Her, her big big break. Was that her big break? Yeah. Um, another kid in it who I can't remember. I remember enjoying The Descendants. I've probably not thought about the film since probably a couple of years after it came out where I would have watched it on Sky and enjoyed it. Well, maybe I should just... It's just to clarify to people, The Descendants. It's that film in Hawaii, you know, yes. where George Clooney's looking over his shoulder. The mother of his ch children is injured in a jet skiing accident at the very beginning. She's in a yeah. coma. And, he, and he's, like, looking after... There are three children. One who's a teenager, Shailene Woodley. Then there's like sort of a one is about, I think, 11. Then there's one who's probably about seven. Um, and the whole thing is it's set in Hawaii. It's like paradise, but actually mm. it's very sad. It's about midlife crisis. And it's directed by Alexander. Sort of dusty underside of, of Hawaii that you've yes, never really seen exactly. in Hollywood. Um, and it's directed by Alexander Payne, who's a really good director. does very similar things about taking like an America, something quintessentially American and looking at the strange underbelly. So like you did Election, which is about a high... Have you ever seen Election? No. I've got to add that to the list. Okay, that's a, that's a great... So I looked at high school um, election dynamics and and then there's uh, like About Schmidt, which is about um, like a retired, you know, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so the sense... And that, that, that's the that's the, the gist of it. But yeah. what you're saying, you, you had kind of fond memories of it. I remember enjoying The Descendants. Yeah, I thought it was pretty different. Again, I, I like the fact that it's a your traditional impression of what Hawaii was and it had never really been portrayed yeah. to me in that way. Wasn't it about he was going to dissolve some sort of foundation? What was the decision he had to come to? Because she was going to... I think it was something to do with the money. The with, money, yeah. With the, the mother. But again, I've only got, seen it. I'm really scratching it, clutching at straws. But I remember enjoying it. I, I really do like George Clooney. I wish he'd do mm. more stuff that wasn't just the sort of smarmy Ocean's Eleven stuff because I think he's a very talented actor. But I, I don't agree. think he's that interested in being on that. I think he's said he's not that interested on being on that side of the camera he wants to produce and direct. Uh, yeah, I think this was like his last roll of the dice at being like the serious stuff. I have. I don't remember George Clooney doing like serious, serious stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, he's shooting a uh, thing, is it a series at the moment with Julia Roberts? Great to see them back together. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, um, but, but no, fond 
memories. I, I can't say I know it well, but I thought it, I thought it was a good film. I saw it one time at the cinema again during the Oscar buzz, and I remember uh, towards the end there's a very very emotional scene. Everyone in the cinema was very quiet. And the person in front of me finished their crisps and crunched up the packet <laughs> and threw it down right in the middle of the scene. We were just like, are you, are you serious? Yeah. So he, find, he finds out his, his wife has been cheating on him, but well, she's a in bit a coma. Spoiler, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that, that's, he, that, that's he, the thing. He's so, cheating with Matthew Lillard. Yeah. From Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and without a paddle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the Oscar. And Scream. Yeah. And the Oscar goes <laughs> to Matthew Lillard. Uh, Jeepers. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. So that that's the conflict she finds out she's been cheating which actually yeah. is in the trailer because that's the bit where he like runs it was that short he's like running to the camera but and he's very sweaty in the flip oscar season is just like drilled into you so much that all these films from really recent but this is mm. actually 10 years ago okay moneyball yes moneyball uh remind me who directed that it's 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 a guy called bennett miller bennett miller, bennett miller has only as far as i'm aware made three films capote with philip seymour hoffman about yeah. Truman capote Moneyball with um, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt and Jonah Hill and Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. and uh, Foxcatcher with Steve Carell. Yes, that was Channing Tatum. I was thinking of and Which, uh, um, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. And uh, Ben Miller, he, he's an interesting guy. And I remember when he did the interviews for Foxcatcher. I think that was a really difficult post production for him. I think it really. Right. Was, and I and I, it's a shame because that I remember him doing a lot of interviews and being the director of the season. Foxcatcher being a real big awards of that year, 2014-15. And he hasn't made a film since, as far as I'm aware. Do you remember when you were looking at my YouTube history and I weirdly had Foxcatcher workout puke scene on my history? <laughs> yes, I do. Because that film weirdly came up on my YouTube recommends. You know, sometimes you get like movie clips. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Foxcatcher. Yeah. I've not thought about that film for ages, but I remember Steve Carell gives this really like... Mm. Out, out of the way performance for Steve Carell yeah. and it's all these that prosthetic was his... for, it was all about the prosthetic forehead nose yeah. but it was also like that was like welcome Steve Carell to being a serious actor yes now, right? comedy actor George Clooney goes out <laughs> Steve Carell comes in. in but Moneyball I remember six it's got Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt in it of course but yeah. I've not I don't remember at all anything about it Jonah Hill's this sort of like numbers guy yeah. and it's it's kind of like this very literally inside baseball thing where they go over every single statistic of all these players and that is what's political about who goes in and who comes out I think it's about he finds a formula that instead of trying to find like the big like flash you know number like nine out of ten players you yeah. sort of go for the average six out of ten players because on average they're more consistent so a guy yes. completely builds his team in a completely different way based on this algorithm that yes this, uh, that was it this number cruncher came up with and philip seymour often plays the coach who's like really gruff you know he's got like a flat top hair yeah um I've only seen it once. I've Aaron Sorkin did the script. Ah, uh, that's again yes. why I was asking about the director because I knew it was, yes. was poking around those circles. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I would like to rewatch it now. I'm older. Yeah, I, I think it's probably it's on Netflix. I, I see that on Netflix. I see that floating around, but I'm never I'm never fancy watching it. I, so that almost goes in the category of I would you that of all the films we've mentioned so far, the one you'd probably be interested in rewatching. Yeah. I don't think I would go back and rewatch The Descendants. I'm probably not going to rewatch The Artist. But I would I would happily rewatch Moneyball. Yeah, fair. Because Sorkin's still working and yeah okay this is interesting thank you so is it, is it is it unfair to say it's a kind of vapory year there's one film on here that i don't think you've seen that i think is is great and, and you know what i'm not gonna wait to tell you i'm gonna yeah, i'm gonna cool. build that now so this is a film that i i hadn't seen for ages and i don't think you've seen yeah and i was aware it's very polarizing that some people think it's a load of absolute pretentious nonsense. Yeah. And some people think it's just like purely pure cinema. And I finally watched it in lockdown and I loved it because I was watching it and I thought, 
<laughs> don't do this, kids. But I was like, I really wish I was high for this. Right, okay. That is Terence Malick's The Tree of Life. I have seen the Tree of Life. Oh, you have seen The Tree of Life? I have seen The Tree of Life. What did you think? I mean, where to begin with The Tree of Life? The Tree of Life is one of those films that if you are to Google what is the best film of all time, for some reason, The Tree of Life comes up on a lot of lists as number one, which is what piqued my curiosity. Mm. Go on. Well, I was going to say that's because it's got kind of um, like bumper sticker, kind of a very broad title, The Tree of Life. Kind of a, oh, that's one for all and very philosophical. It is really, uh, I think, you know what? I think I remember it quite well. Again, not thought about it in a really long time but it essentially it follows it follows essentially since the dawn of time yeah. but it also follows this family at different stages of life and brad pitt and yeah. uh, bryce dallas howard no no, no uh jessica chastain, jessica who chastain. always gets confused Shit. no so so um brad pitt no it's actually sean penn <laughs> how do you explain sean, this look, movie sean penn is a uh, modern day architects and he's depressed because I think his father has just died but it's really not a plot film you don't need to anyway and he keeps getting these flashbacks as a result no it's about his brother it's something about his brother (laughs) and he keeps getting this flashback to his childhood as a result yeah in the 1950s with his very authoritarian father played by Brad Pitt yes and his very angelic loving mother played by um, Jessica Chastain um, it's all shot like the, the simple childhood, the tire hanging from the tree. Oh, it's playing. just shot at images. It's, it's, uh, the cinematographer is Emmanuel Lebetsky, who went on to do The Revenant. Yes. And, Bre- and just for me, like some of the best cinematography it is I've brilliant. And, and the way in which it, 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 instead of doing like scenes and plot, it's like memories that you would have that shape you. Yes. It's incredibly. Like your dad teaching you how to fight, a fight you had with someone, a school yes. bully. It's, it's incredibly um, sensorial, about sensory based. It's but, very classic but, Terrence Malick, like. <laughs> camera's gonna float and go yes. at dutch angles and point up and then and back it's down gonna catch the the, d- the dappled the, the, light, the dappled light through the trees yes. and the sun flaring and it's and the kind of and cello noises cut alongside yes. long sequences <laughs> with streams lava waterfalls dinosaurs yeah, the, the dawn of time essentially li- essentially the dawn of time it, was there a big bang sequence yeah yeah it, that's like so you've got this whole like neighborhood childhood 1950s thing and then it cuts to literally the beginning of the universe yeah the big bang the like, oh, wow, we're going there. and then yep dinosaurs but i'm talking like a a 90 second scene which is a long time of a dinosaur drinking water in a stream yes yes like, I, I could be longer but it feels like a really long time and this is why some people think it's pretentious nonsense because they're like uh, oh you're trying to show me like the origin of love the origin of caring and sorry and then and it sort of culminates in this moment where sean penn is walking in this like salt desert and yeah. sees like his family once yeah. again found yeah, him and it's this gorgeous I, like I cinematic why yeah. like you know what if if you're a fan of cinematography yeah you should really go see it but in terms of the film i mean what do i, I don't even know how to even summarize it love it or hate it well that, that, that's a movie movie like when you say like, that that is a film it's, it's not even a movie like that is that is our film. I mean, that is a film. That is a proper cinematic. As I, you can tell, you can't really talk about the plot. You have to just and, see and it. What, what it's about. It's you take in your eyes yeah. and you come out with an impression of life. It sounds so pretentious, but I can't think of a less pretentious way to describe it. You just it. have to go with it. That's why I said about thinking about the, the, the drug taking. It's like, it's just so completely heady and lofty but has such conviction that's what i like as such like i'm gonna tell you this you, you won't come out with an impression of what you think of it you'll probably come out with of uh, how it made you feel it feel it's it's very very feel that will based. either really piss you off yes 
or you'll be like, I felt this and that was enough. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. I, 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 when I hear people being sniffy about it, I'm like, well, come on, guys, what more do you want? <laughs> hey, it, come on. It's You're there so, with your camera in the it's corner. So floating around. Imagine like, it's like 2001, but with more of an emotional heart. I think there's some really sort of yeah. deep stuff in it about trauma it, when you're more, a child. It's more emotion than 2001. Yeah. It's more like, come on, let's get the camera in. You know what I can imagine it was? I imagine, this might completely be made up, but Terrence Malick was like, you guys just, to the actors, you guys just interact and we'll shoot around you. Mm. And they sort of had these like character moments or whatever they happened to do, which yeah. felt right was what they used. Yeah. It was less about, I'm going to direct you to do this. I, I don't think it was properly blocked to, yeah. a, to a T. No, no. I think it was. Terrence Malick is obviously like, like he's almost just completely up. It's cerebral in his own head, and like mm. there's there's always an actor who doesn't. He get... had a new one that came out that I wanted to see. Thing is about Terrence Malick, uh, this was the beginning of a new phase of Terrence Malick films. Uh, you know, he he made like two films in the seventies. They didn't make a film for like twenty eight years. Made the Thin Red Line. That's so Terrence Malick. And then he made like two other, uh, maybe another film. Then he went off for ten years. Then he made The Tree of Life. And then he's made Night of what cups. With yeah, Christian then he made Bale. all these films that uh, Mark Kermode calls like you know whispery perfume ads, which again are like, <laughs> what do we do with those we love? And it's like shot between the bed sheets. Yeah, and it's and it and there's um like the tr- uh, I think it's called To the Wonder and Song to Song and and they always have like great cast but they they look really pretentious. But I think the Tree of Life is something to hold on to and definitely a standout for me. It's bold. Whatever it's you, something it, you could recommend to someone. And this again sounds really pretentious. Who doesn't like films? If, you, if you're no. someone who you know really does like films and something that's beautifully shot, uh, lean them to watch it. If any, if I had one choice, because this is never going to get shown there. Yeah, that's the film I want to see on the IMAX. Oh yeah, it'd be great to see in the big screen. But I that agree. never gets reruns. Like that would be amazing to see on a huge yeah, screen. Yeah, on a big screen, I agree. And, no. may- and maybe maybe a little bit high. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, to recap, we've had The Artist, mm-hmm. we've had The Descendants, mm-hmm. we've had Moneyball, mm-hmm. we've had The Tree of Life. We have one, two, three, four films left. Okay. Maybe even five actually, okay? Yeah. So the next film, a, a film I bet you've almost probably never even heard of because- right. And it was definitely the run to the litter of this year. Okay. When this film got released, people, um, it was nominated. People were like, that is the lowest reviewed, po- most poorly reviewed best picture nominee of all time. Okay. And that is a film called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Oh, which no, is this, not seen it. Which is based on a book. And it was that story about a, a child who has a very broadly... Um, uh, Asperger's, autistic. Who's and I, 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 I know I'm, I'm saying that sounds quite clunky, but I say it in that kind of broad term because I think the film portrays it in such like a broad spectrum of he's got a thing. We're, right. not, we're not interested in presenting what he has. He's just got, you know, a thing. Right. Um, and it's set, and his mother is Sandra Bullock and his father is Tom Hanks. And his father, Tom Hanks, is killed in the Twin Towers. And he then goes on this sort of fantastical, wonderful journey about meaning and discovering something. Who plays Look, the I'm going to say right now, I haven't seen it, but I, I remember seeing I it. I don't, even I don't remember it. who plays the kid. I know John Goodman's in it. I know Jeffrey Wright's in it, I believe. Okay. But but it was one It was one of the first, except except for World Trade Center and United 93, like this was another, one of the first, oh, think, and it's the 9-11 film and there was a lot of obviously impassioned feeling about it and it came out on the 10-year anniversary. Fine. Do you think it got a lot of attention because of the cast? Bullock yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It had a good cast, and obviously, you know, the the subject matter. But I think people found it the subject matter, no, not the subject matter, the way that that subject matter is inter- interacted with with the plot of this, you know, child in this sort of fantastical. Uh, I think people found it very saccharine and very great. Too. Yeah. So there's a reason that you could you barely you couldn't even remember that. I only yeah. know that film for that award season. Fine. For, for and for the discussions so, around about it, yeah. I've never ever heard anyone talk about it since. 
Right, the next film is one I actually I did actually rewatch recently. Yeah. Midnight in Paris. I've not seen Midnight in Paris. Oh, but really? I really need to see it. It's a real. Mm. Um, it's on my. It's a real. Uh, it's on my list yeah. pile of shame. Uh, but your blind spots. Blind spots. That was it. Yeah. Do you know what, James? Talia I, likes it. She I have a bad feeling it. that I think you've you've missed the moment have to I? watch Do you Midnight think it would in Paris. Be no good now. It, it, at the time, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson uh, goes to Paris. He's engaged to Rachel McAdams, um, but he's incredibly bored. He's he's an English teacher, but wants to write novels. And he misses the good old days. Oh, he's very so nostalgic. Yeah, right. yeah. I just want to do this. Wow. And um, he finds his his fiance's family, who are there, incredibly rich and stifling. And he dreams about the old days. And eventually, he wanders off at, just to walk through Paris late at night. And he stumbles across a bar. And what do you know? He's actually in the 1920s. And he hangs out with um, uh, Zelda Fitzgerald and F. Scott Fitzgerald and um, Ernest Hemingway and Gertrude Stein. And he hangs out with all the literary figures and his heroes in the 1920s. Funny enough, uh, so Tom Hiddleston is in that and he plays F. Scott Fitzgerald. And it's like okay. 10 years later, those guys would be again together in Loki. But Tom uh, Hiddleston is the lead role. And Owen Wilson is the, uh, yes. is the supporting okay, actor. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. find that great in the space of 10 years, different careers. Yes. Um, here's why I think you've missed the boat with it. Obviously, a lot of stuff has changed with Woody Allen. But... Um, sure. Uh, when I watched it in rewatched it in 2020, I was struck by how just awfully written the only three female characters are. Okay, the, does it pass the Bechdel test? No, it does not. Um, Rachel McAdams is so annoying and naggy and cliched as a fiance. Really? Hey, why don't you do this? Hey, why don't you do that? Hey, why don't you do that? That I'm uh, <laughs> too much completely <laughs> unredeemable, uh, irredeemable. Her mother is overbearing. Why are you marrying this guy? He's so useless. Why are you marrying him? I'm just trying to be... Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, you have this sexy French... But Marion Cotillard comes along uh, and plays the... So you have, like, complete sex bomb yeah. and or complete naggy woman. There's home. no actual woman in it who is, who is a three-dimensional human being, mm. um, which is really a real shame. And also... Um, there's some sort of action in the plot that makes Rachel McAdams just almost like nasty. Um, I think it's actually uh, incredibly pretentious that, uh, you know, this idea of going back to the 1920s, not, it, I mean, it's true. Nostalgia has been a massive boom in, indus in the industry sure. for the past 10 years. So it was kind of ahead of the curve with that. But also like, like this is very much your fancy, Woody. I don't know many other people who want to you escape to the 1920s. The and world, there's yeah. a time when you sort of go, I don't actually know who that person is, but like, Woody Allen does, you know. After a while, you'd be like, "Oh, he's almost like nudging the audience, being like, hey, it's thingy.'" And you'd be like, yeah. "I don't, I don't know, because I'm not a scholar of turn of the century Paris." Um, but it is very beautifully shot, and it a is very warm. Film. Complete male fantasy film, but not a complete waste of time. Not a complete waste of time. Amusing enough, good enough music. Be worth watching for educational reasons with that cynical eye, or not really. I think it, I think there's there's interesting stuff in it. I think there's a line in it that's always stayed with me, which he's where Owen Wilson says something about Paris. He's like you know, Paris as a city is like a work of art. You know, the, 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 the Paris as one whole city from its buildings and its architecture and the way it's planned, the way it's laid out and its yeah. culture and everything is the work of art in itself. No other art form, what other art form can express Paris like that? And something about that's always kind of stayed with me. Uh, there's a, I mean, there's a huge cast. Martin Sheen's, um, Michael Sheen is in it. Uh, Lea Seydoux. Um, quickly... Um, Adrian Brody turns up and oh, as yeah. Salvador Dali, I think it's kind okay. of an amusing thing. Yeah. And then there's um, you know, Toulouse Lautrec and stuff. So uh, if you still if you're gonna watch it, it's not a complete waste of time, but I do think you'll think, ooh, this is a bit this is a bit ropey. Right, okay. This is ropey. Okay, James, we've got three films left. I've got no idea what's in them. 
Okay, I'm going to give you a clue about the next one. Okay. I've not seen it. Yeah. Spielberg. Oh, uh, 2000. Bridge of Spies? No, no, that's 2015. 2015. Earlier. Um, War Horse. Yes. Not seen War Horse. Okay. Uh, you know what? I lie. I watched 20 minutes of War Horse on TV. It was a scene that I, I, I couldn't watch. It was too harsh. I, I literally was like breaking my heart. So I can't do it anymore. Well, because of cruelty. Because of yeah. the horses. I just couldn't see it. But I, I was like, this is very good. And I've heard Tom Hiddleston talk really great, really wonderfully about the process of doing mm -hmm. that film with Spielberg and how great the direction was. But I've, I've not seen it. So... Based on the Michael Pogo book, mm -hmm. you know, uh, play, and, and the play, play and, uh, you know, uh, the story of a, a World, World, World War One, you know, boy, country boy, horse, both go to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, classic Spielberg things of like rich sunsets, emotional turmoil, war is awful, but don't you want to just come home and see your mama? Um, <laughs> I've not seen it either. So really, yeah. we can't comment on it. I don't think it's been forgotten because War Horse is still a massive thing. Did it do well? I think um, it was well enough received. I don't think it's been wise. as well received as um, as the no as the theatre show, which is no, a bit yeah, Well, have you seen the theatre show? No. I mean, I did, and I, I I loved it. Yeah. And I I had a real a bit like you with like you almost couldn't handle it. I had a, I had a real uh, emotional. And, that's like, and they have just puppets essentially, crisis. which is even yeah. Like, I, the fact they can do that with puppets on stage is quite powerful. You should have seen me at the end of Act One. That's all I'm saying. Really, I, were you in bits? I couldn't couldn't talk. Couldn't oh, talk. So this is the thing I started watching. Yeah. I was like. So you know that thing where when you this is sound really stupid when you have babies yeah like when everyone tells you like the idea of your children being hurt you're like oh, I just yeah. can't think about that yeah. I have that with my dogs uh -huh. animals yeah. being hurt on screen yeah. horses are like dogs so when I saw the ho horses I was like yeah. oh, my dogs I can't yeah. do it I'm not watching it I can't I can't yeah. do it I could I could I can watch people yeah. be murdered and I'm like yeah Fuck well people, yeah. person yeah right? yeah dogs. If yeah. the dog dies I give it a bad mark oh yeah I give films bad marks for killing the dog can't kill the I don't dog. care yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> and that's okay. why I couldn't watch War Horse. So that's War Horse. Okay. Do it's like, well, it's almost like, uh, yeah, like, I, I could go back to, but I don't know in what environment. I, I think go, it's like yeah, mid, it's probably like mid to slightly mid-low level Spielberg. Is it long? It's probably, is, I bet it looks a bit of a, it looks, a, it looks like a two and a halfer. Yeah. Okay. Two more left. Okay. The next film is, is by someone who is equally, directed by someone who is of equal importance uh, you know, it's of equal stature yep. as Spielberg. Okay. Okay. Martin Scorsese. Okay. Uh, 2012 Scorsese. So not part of like 2006. So further on would be... I can't think of what, what, what it would have been. Go on. It's not a typical Scorsese film. It's not violent. No one, no one gets called a, a melon farmer, if you know what I mean. I can't remember. <laughs> no one gets whacked. No one gets, no one throws Martin Sheen off a building. <laughs> Scorsese 2012. Children. Children. It's set in the same place where Woody Allen's film was set. Paris. Children. Paris. And a bit like The Artist, it's also about the origin of cinema. Oh God, Hugo. That's it. Oh, well done. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing it. I don't know if I hated it. I remember being bored by it. When I did remember you see it? In cinema, God, I've, again, I've forgotten about that. That you're right. That is, uh, it's got um, uh, what's his Chloe name? Chloe Grace Moretz and um, the, the guy, the boy is. Um, oh, boy not, is isn't it Cody Smith McPhee? No, it's not Cody Smith McPhee. Asa Butterfield. Asa Butterfield. And who's the guy who played? He's also played um, Gandhi. What's ben his name? Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. Thank you. Sorry, I don't know. If yes, Ben Kingsley as uh, Lumiere. Um, yes. George um, Lumiere, I think. Oh, yeah. God. I think I was in a really wrong mood. I don't remember if it's good, but I didn't like it in the cinema. Right. I remember not liking it. 
That's the thing about Hugo. I've only seen it once as well. And I remember and nothing about it, apart from it's about the beginning of film. Well, tellingly, I, I saw it only once and it was on my film studies course at uni. Uh, right? okay. Um, and uh, yeah, like it's interesting if you're really into cinema to be like, oh, okay. I, I, you weren't at uni. Oh, you sort of watched it, sorry. It was it part, part of the course. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. But not when and, it came out. So. No, not when it came yeah. out. And, you know, Scorsese clearly has a massive love for that. Scorsese, mm. great filmmaker, loves the, loves the story he's telling and loves the period. So all that stuff makes it watchable but it's very cg yeah it, very flat. a lot of it but it's also a bit like it's it's the equivalent of your grandpa coming in sitting down on the floor with you and trying to play with your toys kind of sweet at first but after a while it's like okay gramps could can you, i just could yeah. you could, could you leave the could leave the sweet stuff to me you're, you're, you're kind of creeping me out here. yeah um that's actually quite a good description <laughs> thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh not that you know i wouldn't want to hang out with mark scorsese so yeah, Hugo, I think I think people had the same reaction, which is kind of like... It's another eh. film that you don't hear a lot of or see a lot of. I think a lot of people went to see that and came out and thought, I didn't get any of that. Because all the film stuff would have just gone over there. Because I remember the poster, it looks like a... He's hanging off a clock. He's hanging off the clock. Is it King's Cross? No, it's in France. Oh, sorry, it's, it's in... in um, I don't know what I'm talking I really don't remember. You know. But it, it kind of looks like very... Like, Le kiddie. Like, yeah, like, this is a kid's film. Like, it looked like the Polar Express. Oh, the yeah. Cover. <laughs> it has kind of, kind of disposable, rubbery... Yeah, CG, but... It's it's Martin Scorsese's Polar Express. I never thought about that. <laughs> Have you um, watched any clips of the, the Polar Express with Tom Hanks? I, I saw it in cinema. I, I saw it in cinema too. I have, have watched, watched. Oh yeah. Have you seen it recently? It looks like a screensaver. That, that is like the the reference that people use for like the digital uncanny valley, yes, totally. which you use where yeah. you, you went too far with the realism and it actually yeah. like, video games have to do this all the time yeah. where the technology is so good we can make faces as real as we can, yeah, but, but you actually want to hold back a little bit because yeah. it looks creepy and it just looks. Off. Yeah. and god the, the kids faces in that yeah. just look really quite terrifying yeah yeah it's uh and also just so like it, it's creepy also because it's so dated from like, mm. 2005 you can yeah. tell like that no one they haven't figured out how to like capture the weight of someone as yeah. they move because there probably was pre-motion yeah. capture where yeah. you would actually like track movements and it's like everyone floats around yeah anyway. all right Sorry, I once got in real trouble because I was staying in a hotel. And you know when you can rent films off the TV in a hotel back in the day? Yeah. I rented the Polar Express, thought it was very average when I was young. And I accidentally rented it again. So I paid for it twice. <laughs> and my dad was really mad because it was like really expensive. He's like, why have you done that? You've rented this store twice. I now have to pay for it twice. Right, you sit here and, <laughs> and you, you watch it. And you watch the film again. You made you watch it? You, I don't think you like forced me to, but I remember like feeling so guilty that I just there and watched the Polar Express again. Which Terrible. probably has yeah. ruined my impression of it. My dad was like, you sit here and you watch it again. Oh man. All right. Do you want your last film? Yeah. I've okay. Got... We've got now we've been talking about the era for a while, yes. that, that year. Do you think you could name okay, what this I'm film go is? For a guess. Cause uh this again, this could be within a three-year radius of two thousand twelve. Um it's a film I haven't seen, because I remember it being a nominated film I haven't seen. Is it The Help? Absolutely right. Well done. Is I it? just knew you were going to get it Viola right. Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. And also, if you weren't going to get it, I was going to say Jessica Chastain and Bryce Dallas Howard in the same film, which is confusing. Right. I, I don't right. remember this film. I know I haven't seen it, but... Well, I only saw it until, uh, I think, last year for the first time, okay. really. Um, here's the thing about The Help. So, based on a book, and it's about... Um, can't remember what part of the American South it is set in, um, but it's obviously about um, you know the house help um, of in nineteen 
I want to say 50s, maybe early 60s okay. America. I'm probably doing this, you know, the story a massive disservice. I'm and really it's, proud of myself for guessing well that. Well done. Sorry. I'm proud. <laughs> um, um, and there are lots of, you know, uh, plots running concurrently to each other. And it's kind of an ensemble thing, but essentially it focuses around interviews that Emma Stone's character does, who's a journalist, with um, the help. Yep. In in the t- uh, the first being Viola Davis and then also um, Octavia Spencer. Um, Love Octavia Spencer. And this was her. I think she won for this. I think she won the, she? the Oscar for it. And yeah, they're both great. I mean, they're all great. They can't. The cast is great. Viola Davis is wonderful, and everything would go on to get nominated for yeah. stuff. Emma Stone, wonderful. I mean. The thing to say about The Help is this, that I, I had lots of people recommend that to me. And well, it's not as far away as 10 years ago, but here we are. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting watching it, how much has changed even in 10 years about how you make a film like that. Right. When I watched it, I was just acutely aware, not only of the conversation about like, you know, white saviordom and all that, but it was more that... That what, you didn't like the bl- you didn't like the Blind Side with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I never I never seen it. Oh, that is, that that's the that's in my Blind movie. Side. Yeah, that and Freedom Writers. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I that film uh, The Help increasingly it, it, obviously it, it you know obviously you can tell from looking at it racism is bad. We don't need to, you know, that's obvious. And the, the whole point of this film is is explaining you know how that manifests, but that film makes so many concessions to its white audience that by the end, I found it quite frustrating. I mean, Mm. and here's what I mean by that. So um, instead of examining how racism manifests in a white population at different scales, you know, casual racism here and more forthright racism there, and also why somebody who can appear friendly and polite would hold those views in that contemporary time in the 1950s, um, what it actually does is bundle all of the really nasty, ugly racism into one character, which is Bryce Dallas Howard's mm. character, which over the course of the film, they make increasingly grotesque with the, there's not that you won't get this, but there's a bit in it with Octavia Spencer's character, um, which is really crude. It's meant to be funny, but it's just like, that's another thing. It's just this kind of grotesque character. And at the beginning of it, you think, oh yeah, here's this like milieu of, 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 of white um, characters and all of them are racist in their different ways, but all of them throughout the film slowly get let off the hook. So Sissy Spacek plays Bryce Dallas Howard's mum, and even she like says something at some point, like "Oh, I don't, I oh, I don't believe in that. I don't stand out for that. That I don't think a person or that character would have said." But all that is doing is making a concession for its white audience. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the film is too apolit. It's too. It's it's knowing that it wants to appeal as an Oscar film to a broad audience. Yeah, and it's like we don't want, well we don't want, well we don't want to upset the, the white audience too much. We 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 really don't want to do that. Mm. Um, and uh, at the you know there's there's a bit towards increasingly towards the film, Emma Stone is like the lead character, and it, and even though this film is really really about Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer's character and yeah. all the women. Um, Emma Stone is made to be like the protagonist. And there's a scene, I can't say what it is. Actually, you know what? I think I can say what it is. Because it's, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it. it's been 10 years, guys. At the end, um, Emma Stone goes off to, she gets like a journalism degree because these articles have done so well. Yeah. But like Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer, their characters are left stuck. Their situation has not changed. Their situation right. has not improved. But there's like the way it's shot is kind of like, that's great for Emma Stone. And they're like, don't worry, Emma Stone, it'll be fine. And I'm like, the, Emma Stone almost shouldn't be in this the, the, this film. Yeah. And, she, and, and it should be about Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer. And also Emma Stone as a, as a white character would be much more conflicted. Her family are very repug, uh, repugnant and repulsive with their attitudes, particularly yeah. her mother, Alison Janney. But Emma Stone is not 
you know, does not espouse any of that. And I've, I'm, uh, what I'm essentially trying to say is the, the issue of racism in the 1950s and, and the way that is represented on screen is so much more complex, yeah. so much more complex than this cookie cutter, black and white, no pun intended, yeah. depiction <laughs> allows. It's interesting you talk about that sort of phenomenon about sort of making films for white people. I remember an interview with, that would have been the following year, Steve McQueen talking about 12 Years a Slave and mm. the Oscar buzz that, did that win Best Picture? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which won Best Picture in the end. And someone in an interview, I remember he, he got really pissed off because someone who hadn't seen this film yet talked about, um, I think like this kind of thing. And he said, oh, do you think maybe you're making your films for white people? Steve McQueen got really wow. pissed off. He's, he's, if you didn't know, he's black himself, British black filmmaker. And he basically got really pissed off and was like, like, how dare you? Like, I do not make films for white people. I'm literally taking a book yeah. which I read, which was an untold story by Guyman Solomon Northup. And I told that story in the most like accurate, compelling way that yeah. that it just, and it, I think when you, when you watch that film, you don't get any sense that it's pandering to any kind of mm. character for a specific mm. uh, like angle. Mm. It's, it's, it's equally cynical of a lot of characters, but obviously like that film goes on to have the success it does. But yeah. that, that idea of making films for a white audience to get a, an award attention. Yeah. And, and, but, but it's one thing to, you know, obviously you want to, a film wants to play to you know a film wants to be seen that's fine you know that that's great but what it's a shame when it in its attempt the commercial attempts to appeal to an audience mm. bends the actual and dilutes and blunts the actual message and way that the story is told mm. which is really disappointing so there you are that those are the films that came what out a journey oh, that were those the oscars of 2012 if you had wow. to pick one yeah, to rewatch or watch quickly run through them again just remind me okay the Artist, The yep. Descendants, yep. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, okay. Moneyball, Midnight in Paris, War Horse, The Tree of Life, Hugo, The Help. Are you going to rewatch or are you going to watch for the first time? I think, do you know what? I would watch War Horse. Hmm. Yeah. Just because um, I think it would be good. And I don't think it would have aged out, which I think, funnily enough, a lot of the films, there were a couple of films on yeah. there you think I enjoyed it at the time, but looking back on it, you might just go, eh, for a couple of the scenes. Mm. I think War Horse would be a difficult watch for the reasons we said, but I think I would, I would have a lot to gain from watching it. And I thought it's very well made because it's a Spielberg film. You can't go wrong trying to be a Spielberg completist, can yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. If it's good, even if it's bad Spielberg, you're like, well, he's made so many other good ones, you know, it just fills in the picture. Yeah. Me. What about you? Would Ooh. you do Tree of Life? Would you want to go do, if, if a cinema released Tree of Life, would you just jump on that? I would love to see that film on the big screen. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to. I'd love to go see that. And um, I think that would be my first choice. But I'm, I'm just trying to think of a second one because like I already own, I went out and bought like the Criterion of Tree of Life. So like I, I already, like, I'm already a signed paid up member to rewatch that again. And yeah. maybe I might not like it second time round. Maybe yeah. just the shock of, of, and the, the experience the first time was, was where it was at. Mm. So I think if I was to... I've seen all of those films except for War Horse and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And I think I would probably go and watch Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close just to see what, what that film was like. And even if it's just a relic of that time, maybe I'll watch it and I'll just think, yep, this existed solely for the awards season in 2011, yeah. 2012. And Out of sheer curiosity to be like, what was going on Like, here? I know War Horse, the story. You know, yeah. I've seen, you know... I. So I, I think I, I think I'd do that, and if not, I'd probably rewatch Moneyball. Yeah, maybe that'd be a good shout. 
that's those are the films. Those are the films that were. And maybe in twenty years' time, we'll do it again. Yeah, oh my God. maybe we should do two thousand and two. Maybe we should. Oh God, I can't. Yeah, nineteen ninety-two. Should pick random years and just attack the other person with the films and see how they've aged. You sir, sound like you're doing a podcast. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> Sounds like a podcast over for a few years' time. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post a new episode of this show every single Wednesday. And we've got plenty more content coming on the channel throughout the week, so keep an eye out for that. When yep. you're listening or watching, there'll be more reviews that we don't include in here, so it'll be on all the feeds on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Follow us there. If you're watching, please drop us a like and subscribe. It makes a really big difference. And if you're listening, leave us a review. See, See you next week. week. Oh! <laughs>